2: And I'm Allison Renborg in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and you're listening to the monthly Equine Affair episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 17th. This episode is brought to you by Equine Affair. Good morning, Horse World.
0: It's the third Thursday of the month. That means it's time for the Equine Affair episode, North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering.
1: Welcome back Allison. Allison stops by Horses in the Morning the 3rd Thursday of each month and catches us up. Catches catches us up. Yep, there we go. <laughs> catches us up on all things Equine Affair. And for those of you who have lived under a rock for the past what? 20 years?
2: 25. 25. <laughs>
1: what is Equine Affair in a nutshell?
2: Sure. Equine Affair is North America's premier equine expo and equestrian gathering. We are kind of four days of Disneyland for all things horse.
1: <laughs> I think I think that's probably a good description. I would say it's not just Disneyland; it's Epcot.
2: Yes, because I've never you've never been to Epcot. I've never been to Epcot. So, like, I don't even know what that means. Why don't you tell me what Epcot is and then I can agree. (laughs) It's
1: It's the Epcot of horse for horse people. Epcot was designed to be both educational and entertaining. There you go. It was supposed to highlight the newest and the greatest and the best. And it was supposed to do that continuously. In that it would keep evolving again and again as new things happened and became available and were invented and got better, and I that think that pretty right. much describes what Equine Affair does.
2: I would agree with you now that I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if you ever ha- if you ever want to go down a rabbit hole, go in and um, do a little research on the history and the original mission statement of Epcot. Okay. Um, because it was it was kind of that vision of um, what life is like in the future sort of thing. And I think a lot of what Equine Affair does uh, discusses and demonstrates and highlights what the most recent and most up-to-date trends are in every aspect of equestrianism.
2: Jen, do you want my job? Because <laughs> you sound 100% better than me.
1: <laughs>
2: and you haven't well, been in, what, 10 years? We were I haven't
1: been back. in You've forever, I know. Right I went to my first trip to an, an equine affair because there are several locations. It happens several times a year in, in different locations. was in Massachusetts, and it was very early on. And I was just... It boggled my mind. You know, you just walked around, jaw dropped. And then I went to the first, either first or second Ohio one that you had. Because that that was the, I think that was the second venue you started, right? Ohio?
2: Uh, We started in Ohio first. And then we had Massachusetts a few years later in 98.
1: In 98. Yeah. And nobody before had ever combined entertainment, education, and shopping all in the same venue, all at the same time. The only place in the United States where those similar things happened were at very big competitions. For example, the event formerly known as Rolex. (laughs)
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Or at some of the bigger jumper shows in Wellington or at the Quarter Horse Congress. But that was very much Mm competition-based. It was all around a competition, and it was all very... Competition specific. So if you weren't an eventing fan, you're probably never going to go to the event formerly known as Rolex. If you're not into Western sports and or quarter horses, probably never going to go to Congress. And where you guys really found the sweet spot is you run the gamut. Every imaginable sort of equestrian pastime, competition, sport, you you can have that.
2: A hundred percent. That's that's what I love about our affair. And what I love about working there is um, we don't just cater to one discipline or one type of horse person. We really make an effort to cater to everybody um, from the backyard horse owner to the you know high level competition um, professional person. And that's just something that I really love just personally about my job is we do cater to everybody. Anybody who cares about horses in some way, shape or form, there's something for you. Yeah, and that's what's even
1: if you're a Briar person, if you're a person who doesn't even own horses, but is passionate about the collection of these beautiful models or the customization, you guys have a big Briar presence at at them, don't you?
2: Uh, We have a lot of booths that sell Briars. I think that um, they had more of a Briar thing in past years. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of waxes and wanes. Yeah. Um, but we do typically have at least one briar like real life briar horse in the breed pavilion. Um, and lately it's been Adamek the Acltechie, and I think we've we have. We've interviewed his owner and talked about him on here in our recent episodes. Um, and that's always fun. I've been really trying to bring that up more because I think it's so cool to meet real life briar horses and have them there. Um, but even when we don't have a real life briar horse, there's always someone in the trade show selling uh, hundreds of amazing <laughs> briars, you know, that I, I drool over as I walk by. Because I mean, I yes, I still have real live horses, but I I like to buy at least one briar a year. You know, only <laughs> one
1: a year? Oh, you're so restrained. Well, I
2: try to be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they, in in those early years when you guys were just getting started, of the three different aspects of equine affair, the education the entertainment, and the retail. Which was the one that gave you the most uh, stress, the most ulcers in those early years, getting put together and organized?
2: You know, I can't really speak to that since I um, only started a few years ago, but on, you know, based on context and what I've heard from some of the staff members who've been there longer, um, I would say probably all of it. I mean, it's a huge... <laughs> It's It's a a huge huge undertaking. It's a huge coordination to pull together people from all those three different aspects and Mm -hmm. to make sure they can all get there on time and uh, have somewhere to stay and know where they're supposed to go on a given day. I mean, that continues. You know, we spend all year either working on one event or the other or both at any given time. And our staff... That was my next question. Yeah.
1: How... Do you basically start planning for next year's, the
2: day after this year's ends? Is that kind of how it goes?
1: Um, or do they actually
2: in overlap? <laughs> in some cases, we start sooner. I mean, Kogi, who's our president um, and owner, is uh, always planning ahead. And I, I see the folders populate on the drive for 2024 and 2025, um, you know, way in advance. So we're always thinking ahead, you know, clinicians who can't make it this year, Kogi's usually checking with them to see if they can come next year or two years from now. Um, and then I think same for trade show. Uh, so, I mean, we're constantly rolling with, we got to work on 2024 mass now, even though we're currently working on 2023 mass to get it up and going in a little less than three months. So,
1: yeah. So uh, do about what percentage of, the attendees, the vendors, whether they're clinicians, demonstrators, retailers, um, about what percentage of those are people you reached out to and said, we want you to come and versus they contacted you and said, we would love to participate?
2: You know, that's a good question, too, because I'm our marketing person. So I don't do a ton of the reach out. Um, But I would say that... um, I field a lot of inquiries through our Facebook or through the phones um, for people wanting to exhibit or wanting to present. You know, I really can't say percentage wise. Um, I know that Kogi does a lot of outreach for clinicians because we're constantly looking for Well, you got to get best new faces the- and yeah. Yeah, and new people and new up-and-comers and people like Aoife, for example, who's going to be on the show in a little bit. He just started with us last Massachusetts. Um, but then we also want to have the big names who have been there before um, come back. So it's kind of a mix. I can't give you a percentage, but it's a mix. It's a, big, a mixture of the two? Yeah. Is there
1: a clinician or entertainer? That you've always wanted to have an equine affair that you have not yet been able to nab.
2: That would be a question for Kogi, <laughs> 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 and I'll ask her. <laughs> but, but I don't know. Well, um, you know, we all we all have our crush, right? Yeah.
1: You know, Glenn Glenn has wanted to have Kaylee Cuoco on the horses in the morning show for oh, fifteen years, and we just can't get through the layers of people. Well maybe
2: you know? Lisa Wasaki will with her celebs well, podcast.
1: We can try. We can yeah. try. It's very interesting because when you mention when you mention that, um, do you have you had that you can recall? I know you've only been with the company for less than a decade, um, people that have come as demonstrators or clinicians or whatever that were slightly outside of the equestrian world, kind of like Lisa's show, they're celebrities first and equestrians second, although many of them are incredibly accomplished equestrians. You see where I'm going with that? I do.
2: Not that I know of off the top of my head, um, but I'm sure that there are. I wonder Um,
1: if any of the rock star equestrians have ever come to Equine Affair (laughs) and bought a ticket and they were incognito and we didn't even
2: know oh that i believe 100 <laughs> i am sure because well i'll tell you a funny story um i was at a horse show a uh, very tiny dinky little horse show uh in my hometown of murfreesboro i mean it was just like i can't even remember what it was just very low level small horse show and i'm walking around with my camera and i'm i think i'm covering it for the local horse paper and i walk past someone and she's a mom she's like really layered because it was cold and she's pushing a stroller and I recognize her face and I'm trying to place it and I just sort of step out of her way because I'm just one person and she's pushing a stroller and she kind of ducks her head when she goes past me and I thought well that's weird like why would somebody you know I'm I'm a pretty unassuming person why would someone duck their face away and then about 10 minutes later I'm chatting with a friend of mine and she says did you know that Kelly Clarkson is here? Oh, no. And I said, that was Kelly Clarkson. I walked past (laughs) And it turned out, um, and it's like, no wonder she ducked away from me, because I had a camera around my neck. So she probably thought I was going to snap a picture of her, like, just being average mom, you know, at a horseshoe.
1: Um, Well, good thing you didn't just take a picture of an average mom,
2: see, (laughs) would have ruined her day. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I think what happened is her step one of her stepchildren was showing that day. So she was there to support them and probably being incognito, um, you know, on purpose. And yeah, I just sure. I just didn't even, you know, and I grew up with Kelly Clarkson. I think I saw the episode, the uh, season of American Idol that she won. But um yeah, it was amazing to just go, that was Kelly. That's why she looked familiar, but okay. And I wouldn't have bothered her because that's just not me. I would have yeah. just been like, hey, that's cool. It was Kelly Clarkson and moved on, which is exactly what I did. But yeah. I bet that that's happened at Equine Affair.
1: <laughs> I'm sure it has. Now, see, that's another, you guys do new stuff every single year. You're constantly coming up with new things to do, see, and participate in an Equine Affair. You could have a... A Where's Waldo or a scavenger hunt or something like that. Wouldn't that be? I love having a purpose when I go to these things. Okay, you, you get your fun. you get your scavenger hunt paper, and you have to go find these things and and <laughs> prove that you found them and put
2: your name in the hat for a prize. Oh, totally I totally that. I've had that thought before, um, because I I'm constantly thinking, even though we're constantly rolling with you know, and I'm trying to market two events at once. I occasionally have those thoughts and I've thought about having how fun that would be to have like an Easter egg hunt. Um, yeah. So maybe in the future that'll come. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> Who at Disney
1: world? And I forget what they call it. They have a name for it, but it's the same idea. You go and you grab your little, you sign up and you grab your little paper. They probably have it on an app nowadays. Oh yeah. And you had to, you had to go find these things and then you could, earn badges and prizes. And you could do that all year. <gasps>
2: yeah. Ooh. You see, make you it, want yeah. my job, don't you? You're just <laughs> <laughs> showing <Sorry>. me up. <laughs> I've gone down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry. You're giving me good ideas. That's what it is.
1: There we go. Well, speaking of new things, uh, yes. we are going to be getting IFA, IFA Simmons. Did I say that right? It's IFA. IFA Simmons on shortly. But first, we wanted to remind you that we have less than 90 days to go. Until Equine Affair. And Equine Affair where? In Massachusetts. Equine Affair, Massachusetts. So if you haven't booked your hotel yet, now's a good time to do it. And you want to check out the Host Hotels page on equineaffair.com. Host Hotels meaning that you get special pricing. Not because hosts live there. Exactly. Uh, But you want to check those (laughs) out. And for August, it is the Sheraton Springfield Monarch Place Hotel. That's a mouthful. And it's only a mile and a half from the Eastern States Expo where the Equine Affair Massachusetts happens. And you can check out all the details at equineaffair.com. And when you call in, mention that you are going to the Equine Affair. Make it easy. No, No secret codes. Say, I'm going to Equine Affair to get the discounted rate.
2: Aoife Simmons is a certified fitness performance coach for equestrians with over a decade of experience, and he's the creator of the Equestrian Fitness Academy. Aoife combines his expertise through several certifications, including functional fitness, yoga, and Pilates, among others. He's a writer performance clinician, a writer, and a presenter who's worked with all kinds of equestrian organizations like IEA and IHSA, he will also be the MC of the Great Equestrian Fitness Challenge at Equine Affair this fall, but he will also be a presenter and be hosting interactive exercise workshops called Equestrians in Motion. So let's welcome Efa to the show. Well, hey Efa, welcome to the show.
0: Welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for having me back again.
2: Yes, sir. I'm so I'm so excited for today. I have been wanting to talk to you for a while and here you are. Um, so you have been on this show before. Glenn interviewed you at Equine Affair in Ohio, but let's do a refresher. Can you remind us, what do you do? Who are you? What's your passion? What's Equestrian Fitness Academy? Let's just dive right in.
0: Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's go for it. So my name is Ifa, and I am the Equestrian Fitness Guy. So what I do is fitness and performance training for riders of all disciplines. So I pretty much help riders on the physical and mental side in my Equestrian Fitness Academy, which is a holistic coaching program that helps riders get from point A to B, all the way to Z. And how I do that is through my signature system and my four core pillars, which are stability, suppleness, strength, and stamina. And so every single discipline, every rider, we all need a version of those in all four in general. So we take you through each one and go over exactly what components need the most work. And we strengthen the ones that are already doing fantastic.
2: I love that. I love that system. I love the logic behind it. And it makes, it makes total sense that we compete. Well, I don't, but equestrians as a whole, we, we engage in an athletic endeavor. You know, we're using our bodies. We're working with a horse that's using its body. Naturally, we need fitness help and fitness coaching. So I love that you are out there doing this cool stuff. Um, I have been watching your Instagram and your Facebook content lately, and it's on point, man. Like you have such great stuff out there that you're just giving us for free, which is amazing.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, yeah, thank you. I think the the idea of free free for you and free for me is a little different. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but all the 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 long hours and the hard work and the time and, and dedication that it takes to put out um, content, whether it is recaps, warm ups, beneficial components that we all need for ourselves and for the industry in whole, that is my main purpose, and so. I want to see within the next five to 10 years a completely different looking and feeling industry on the mental and the physical side. So in order to do that, uh, you need someone to kind of stand up and say, hey, I'll be the one or the one of the few that will go along that path. So that is my main goal is to to make sure that we're changing and adjusting the culture that we have now and make it more inclusive for um, us in the equation with our horses.
2: Absolutely. So I'm curious. Um, obviously, you know your fitness. Right. I'm, I've been watching your your content with, for example, you had this great little video about ankle stability exercises, which I loved because I have weak ankles. And so I was watching that. But what's your horsey background? Did you grow up with horses? What's what's kind of the story there?
0: Absolutely. So you want the long story? You want the short story? <laughs> well, which,
2: whichever one you want to do. <laughs>
0: I'll give you a condensed version of it. So the quick answer is: I wish I grew up with horses. Uh, growing up in the inner city here in New Jersey, it was not a horse-like area. Um, there's more concrete than there is anything else, and so farms and barns was not a part of my daily life or even occasional life. However, uh, as I was a really, really young young child, I guess you could say a baby almost, we had a uh, rocking horse, a bouncy rocking horse, and his name was Quakwa. Qua. And <laughs> I love Qua, Qua And every time I think of Qua, Qua I smile. And so does the rest of my family. However, that was my first um, experience with a mechanical horse. <laughs> and then it went a long time until I actually had the opportunity to ride a real horse. Uh, but in between that time frame, just to give you a little snippet into the longer story, I saw in downtown Newark, which is one of our uh, big cities in New Jersey, where our airport is located, they either used to, or they still do, but it's a minimal Uh, Department now have mounted police. And that was the first time that I saw real horses with real people on them. Um, And that was a fascinating experience and feeling. And it always seems like mounted uh, police horses are larger than the normal for some reason. But around 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, during my first gym job, um, I had a co-worker who owned her own farm and barn, and she led trail rides, and uh, she invited myself, my family, and anyone else that was in, uh, interested, and obviously, I took her up on that uh, idea immediately, and from that day on, the love of horses just compounded rather fast, so I would go as often as I could. I took everybody and anybody, and it's actually funny that you mentioned this story, because Yes, just last week, my brother mentioned this same exact scenario where he was like, "Um, how do I get back on a horse? He's like, I know I'm talking to the right person, but how do I get back on a horse? He said, because the last time I I was on a horse, which is once uh, when you took me years ago when we had, you know, uh, going with that farm. And I was like, wow, that's that's a long time ago since you've been on a horse. So he says, yeah, let's do it. So we're working on getting him back in the in the saddle during that time. Uh, but currently, I don't ride consistently. It's more intermittently when either one of my clients or, um, yeah, one of my clients have a free opportunity, which typically are trainers, or one of them say, hey, do you want to ride or, you know, drop with this horse? And I say, absolutely, sign me up. So that's my opportunity right now. I'm looking forward to getting more saddle time. But as of now, my, my main focus is to continue to change and adjust where I am and where things are in the industry. So, yes, I do enjoy a trail ride every once in a while and it would be great every weekend, but that's, you know, you can't can't borrow someone else's horses more than they have the schedule for it. So, that's the <laughs> that's the current situation now with my uh, riding journey.
2: I love that. And you know, I have a special place in my heart for anybody who comes on the show or who I get to talk to who didn't grow up in the horse industry, but now they're part of it because that was me. I didn't grow up in the horse industry. My family were musicians um, and it was a long, you know, a long stretch from classical musicians to horses. And my parents had no idea what to do with me, their horse crazy daughter who had no musical ability. Um, But that's that's a whole other thing. But I just love it when, you know, you can come to the horse industry anyway, it, it doesn't matter if you were born in it or if you just come to it the way you did through a rocking horse, which I think is so cute. Um, that's awesome. That's so cool, Aoife.
0: Thank you. Um, what The way you said that was really powerful because oftentimes it's challenging being on the outside of a place that is extremely interconnected and has its own bylaws and ways of doing things. <laughs> so uh, with that challenge, it's it's always like trying to remind myself that I don't need to, and I shouldn't compare myself to others. And in that same journey, it's, as I always say, it's, it's interesting. <clears throat> I don't typically share things like that, but um, about a month ago, someone who I met and talked to during a very long time during COVID on Clubhouse, we were in the Equestrians Connect Club together. She and I reconnected recently who lives overseas. And long story short, she said, you know what? How come we don't see you in the saddle more? And I said, I gave her the reason, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, you know what? The content that lives on your phone that you're nervous to share with us, she said, sometimes we would love to see more Black people in the saddle. Because honestly, it's not something that we get a chance to experience and see enough. And she said, "I'm not going to rush you there because that's a personal decision and choice. Because I know how the horse industry uh, can be with people and new uh, new people, experienced people, whatever it is with people in the saddle. Everyone has their own opinion. So she says, "I understand the reasoning, and I just say when that time frame comes." I think you're gonna be a lot more surprised that people who are happy to see you more so in the saddle. And I said, you know what? I'll do that. I can't tell you when, but, <laughs> but I'll do that. Um, because, you know, it's like you're opening up another portal of your life and it's already a lot when you're you're creating content and you're in your creative juices and you're doing your best to expand and, and share and grow in the things that you do know a lot about. So stepping out into something that you are not a professional in, but truly enjoy in your heart of hearts is something that I, I tend to protect. But Look out, everybody. Keep hold on my Facebook and my Instagram or whatever other social media post. Me in the saddle. Visually coming soon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Simmons in the saddle. It's a whole Simmons, new series. <laughs> oh,
0: all right. All right. Trail riding with Eve. Got it.
2: <laughs> so so speaking of horses, uh, yes. let's let's talk about Equine Affair. So your um, if I remember correctly, your first visit to Equine Affair as a presenter, no less, was last Massachusetts, so 2022. Is that right?
0: Uh, no, actually it was, it was Ohio. Ohio was my first at the uh, uh, what is it? The convention center, yes, oh in Ohio. Gosh. Okay, yep. so, so was it up. so it was Ohio
2: 2022 or it was Ohio 2023? 2023,
0: yes. Your last okay. event was the last event I was, I was at and enjoyed thoroughly
2: that. Okay. So what did you, that was your first time. What did you think of it? How was it for you?
0: Oh my goodness. I loved it. I loved it. I immersed myself in the entire experience as best I could from morning to evening. I met a ton of different people. I shared the same vehicle with Olympians and high-level presenters of all different disciplines. Um, It, yeah, the experience was was beyond words, and I, I definitely would advise anyone who hasn't been or. Is on the fence or is already going to one check me out there as I'll be doing a couple different things, but two also immerse yourself and do different things while you're there because Equine Affair does an amazing job at providing something for everyone on the interactive side and the educational side. And myself, I got a bunch of that during that time frame. But funny enough, I was invited to go to Equine Affair, Massachusetts last year. And I wasn't able to make it. And they said, you know what? You would really do a great job here if you got a v- if you were vending um, and got a booth because I know you would kill it in Massachusetts. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I'll put that on my bucket list for next year. And then I got an opportunity to do Equine Affair in Ohio. <laughs> and here we are for Equine Affair Massachusetts. And so I'll have better than a booth during this upcoming show.
2: Yeah, it's it's awesome. So what you you mentioned, educational and interactive, and that is actually what you're going to be doing. So you're going to be presenting with us in Massachusetts, you've got a couple different sessions on equestrian fitness, but then you're also doing these cool interactive workshops. So tell us about equestrians in motion. What's that going to look like?
0: Excellent. Well, as you mentioned, interactive is kind of something that I always want to make sure that I am within the industry, which is something that people can physically be there and experience and also take part in. So equestrians in motion is funny enough. Not something that I created, but it's something that Equine Affair created for me, and I thought it was amazing. So I said, let's keep this. This is fantastic. Equestrians in motion. Let's do it. So it's a workshop series where each day, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday of Equine Affair Massachusetts this year, we'll be doing different focuses on each and every day. I.E. one will be the secrets of balance. That's not the exact name of it, but you get the idea and so on and so forth. So each and every day in the morning, they're going to build on each other. So this is an interactive small group time frame where I'll be explaining and sharing my expertise and knowledge on these things. But you'll also feel do and receive the information that you need to make sure that you understand more about why and how you can implement cross training principles into your saddle time and also your barn time. So even if you're in between horses and you're not doing as much in the saddle, but you're still around the barn and you're running your own farm or whatever it is, these type of things are really beneficial for all of us.
2: Awesome. Awesome. I love it. So people can sign up at the event, right?
0: At the event, but also what we're going to be doing is providing a either QR code and or web link so that people can sign up in advance, which is actually The best thing because they will end up with a capped amount of space so that obviously I can give my best self to a certain amount of people. So when that link comes out on the website and also in the uh, publications, you'll see that and it's best to sign up as early as possible so that you make sure you have a spot. 100%.
2: 100%. So we'll have that on equineaffair.com and I will be posting it uh, when it's available on the Equine Affair social media channels. So we'll definitely get it out there as much as we can because I agree signing up in advance is really the best way to make sure that you're there uh, for EFA and with EFA. And I wanted to ask you, what should people wear if they want to come to take part in the workshops? Do you have any recommendations?
0: absolutely i would personally have them come in something that they can move in so mm. anything that has just enough flexibility in the hip area the knee area and the upper body r- roughly in the shoulders depending on the day and the focus of the workshop for that time frame now you can wear jeans but if they're restrictive it's going to have an effect so you know if anything, just like a clinic, you can come and do the best that you can. And I always work around what people are able to do, whether that's a physical limitation or an apparel limitation. <laughs> so, yes.
1: That's a new phrase, apparel limitation. I
0: love it. <laughs> In the Western world, I, I do I do warm-ups. And I, as I mentioned before, I'm on both sides, English and Western. Uh, when it comes to the show close, it's really tough to get your riders who are ready to go and be dazzled to lift their arms up overhead and to reach from side to side. So when uh, chaps and everything are on, it gets a bit ch- uh, tricky, but we, we make it happen.
2: <laughs> so Equestrians in Motion, that's sort of the perfect, and, and dressing for moving, it's kind of the perfect segue into not only are you presenting, so you'll be giving presentations and you're doing your workshops, but you're also going to MC a brand new event at equine affair this year called the great equestrian fitness challenge and i just want to say thanks ifa for volunteering or agreeing to MC our brand new event that's it's fun
0: i'm extremely excited as soon as the idea was was presented or brought up in whatever capacity i said wow that sounds perfect that sounds like Uh, equestrian fitness heaven. (laughs) So um, I'm very excited to see and be a part of this inaugural uh, opportunity and events that's going to then continue what I told you before, which is creating that interactive environment where people get to see, experience, and learn from me, as well as equine affair on some of the things that they do so well and just expanding onto now.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to share a little bit about the event, and then I have some questions for you about kind of general barnyard fitness. But so, first of all, so the Great Equestrian Fitness Challenge, this is an idea that we all hatched in a staff meeting, I think, earlier this year. Uh, And it's it's an event with three different components. So it'll take place on Saturday, November 11th, starting at 1.30 p.m. in the Mallory South Arena. And so, um, you'll get there and you'll sign up just outside the arena and there are three different events. So we'll have the Barn Chores Marathon, we'll have the Bouncy Pony Race, and we'll have the Horse Nugget Relay. And I'm just like, I'm grinning like an idiot just describing these because it's going to be the best time ever. Um, so the, the Barn Chores Marathon, it's basically going to be an obstacle course, And you might be doing things like moving hay or wheeling a wheelbarrow or carrying water. You know, all the things that us horsey people do every single day, we've got our barn muscles uh, muscled up for that. And then the fastest, most efficient uh, contestant is going to get the trophy. Uh, For the bouncy pony race, it's exactly what it sounds like. A bunch of adults (laughs) are going to be riding bouncy ponies up and down the arena. And whoever, uh, gets to the finish line first will win and then uh the horse nugget relay which i'm sure you're all crazy curious about uh basically you're going to have a partner and you're going to use your teamwork to scoop horse nuggets into a wheelbarrow following a nugget trail up and down the arena Uh, and so we're going to have prizes uh for all three events um Aoife is going to be our MC. It's going to be a big old time. It's free to equine fair attendees. You come to the event, you can participate as long as you sign up. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the scoop. Hot, no pun intended. <laughs> 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 the uh, great equestrian fitness challenge. So my question for you Aoife, uh, your Uh, Equestrian Fitness Academy obviously focuses on exercises and things like that we can do to improve our form in the saddle, to be more effective riders. What about barn chores? What do you think about barn chores? How athletic are we when we're hauling water and stuff like that?
0: It definitely takes components of athleticism to do what we do on a daily basis, 100%. Lifting buckets of water, one arm or two arms and walking gingerly so that you don't end up with all the water in your boots or your shoes (laughs) is extremely challenging and involves a lot of core, whether it's core stability or and or core strength. That's just one thing. Or scooping nuggets, as you like to say, (laughs) 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 moving wheelbarrows and also jumping uh, in certain different motions all take levels of athleticism. And so as I do Barn Fitness on a weekly basis in person, live, um, I've seen and experienced a lot from a different vantage point, right? And so it takes a lot of um, training to be more efficient, at that, so just like any other sports or culture that does something better in 2023, the thing that we learned and the science has already proved that doing additional things to help strengthen the body outside of the normal things that we do leads to things taking less energy and requiring more strength to do efficiently. So, um I always advise people to do the extra or go the extra and learn just what that takes so that by the end of the day, you don't have nearly as much of that tired feeling that typically takes place after you've done quite a bit of required chores.
2: A hundred percent. So, basically, mucking stalls, uh, carrying water, um, any million of you know, leg wrapping, just all the yep. things moving hay, all those things, that all makes you stronger, makes you more flexible, kind of helps you become more efficient, more muscular. And then that's got to translate to the saddle, right? So it's all part of horses. Horses are a workout. Let's just say it.
0: Horses are definitely a workout. And so is the idea of um, doing the chores 100%.
2: Yeah. So, all right, so cool. So, Aoife, I'm super excited you're going to MC this event and we're just going to see what happens. I think it's going to be fun.
0: I know it's going to be fun. I'm bring, I'm bringing smiles and good energy and I know that I won't be the only one.
2: See? Aoife's lovely. He's amazing. Don't tell everybody, <laughs> but he he's one of my favorites. He's,
1: he's a little <laughs> bit inspiring. I'm I think that's going to be really cool. I'm sorry I I'm not going to be able to get to that that particular Version of equine affair, but I'm sure he'll be back again.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. And we did, we forgot to ask him what all of his social stuff is. So, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Does he have them?
2: All the things. He has them. And he puts out, like I mentioned, lots of great content. So, watch his stories, watch his posts, especially on Instagram. It's fit, and that's I F fit. On Instagram and then on Facebook, it's EFA dash fit dash equestrian. And then his website is ifafit.com. There we go. And
1: I'm sure if you just put EFA fit in there, you'll find it. Yeah. You'll find SEO. Him. Yeah. You'll find him. Yep. All right. Well, if those two interviews don't inspire you to go to Equine Affair, I don't know what will. But you can go to Equine Affair as a participant or as a guest buying a ticket. And if you'd like to participate in a clinic or competition at Equine Affair, because they have clinics you can ride in, the deadline to apply with the Ride with a Pro or to compete in the Versatile Horse and Rider competitions is September 8th. So if you want to sit on a horse at Equine Affair, you got to do it. Sign up by September 8th and visit equineaffair.com, and the application materials are there under the Participate tab for the Massachusetts events, and it is sponsored by Fair Hill Saddlery, and Ride with a Pro offers equestrians like you and me the opportunity to ride with amazing clinicians like Jason Irwin, Stefan Peters, Jeannie McDonald, Julie Goodnight, Brandy Lyons, Bronwyn Irwin, and lots more. If you'd like to volunteer, yes, you can volunteer at at Equine Affair, too, and get free admission for your troubles. You can apply at equineaffair.com, and you need to do that by September 27th.
2: Well, let's get on our next guest. Woohoo! Kelly Jones of Kelly J. Leather hails from West Sussex, England. She is a Society of Master Saddlers Master Bridal Maker and a qualified bridal fitter. She will be coming all the way across the pond to present with us in Massachusetts this fall, And we're thrilled to have her on the show today, too. So let's welcome Kelly. Well, hi, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Yes. So tell us a little bit about where you're from. Obviously, you're not in the U.S.
3: No, no. So I am actually from a a small uh, town in England in West Sussex uh, called uh, Midhurst. Um, so yeah, they're quite, quite far away from, um, the U S so it's a, a honor to be on today and discuss why, why I'm, uh, flying all the way over to the Equine Affair.
2: Yes. And this is going to be your first time coming to Equine Affair and coming to the U S is that right?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's unbelievable opportunity, and I'm so so excited. Um, I've actually followed equine affair for a few years now, um, and it's always been sort of I wish one day, I wish one day. And um, when I got the email um, of the invitation, um, I was actually just about to go and see a client um, for a bridal fit, and I nearly exploded out my car and then I was like okay compose myself compose myself and I went to go and see my client and she she was like I can tell something really exciting is happening and I'm like yes but I can't quite say yet but oh I was on cloud nine I was dancing all the way home um it's I'm so excited to um go out there and uh, even even just I'm very excited, obviously, to talk, but also to see the event. Um, it just looks amazing, and nothing can really compare to what we've got in the UK.
2: Well, I was going to ask: um, Is there are there expos like this in your in the UK? Is there? Do you present at at things like this over there, or is it just not really not really like that?
3: Um, we have a few things but majority of the expos um, they're more for um, you mostly just have the riders so less educational. There are the odd um, odd things but not nothing compared to Equine Affair and I do uh, quite a few talks but more for camps and clinics so yeah nothing quite to this size but I- I'm super eager for the opportunity and and excited and Yeah, can't wait.
2: That's awesome. Well, I'm even more excited uh, now that I've heard it's your first time and your first time coming to the U.S. And you're so excited. That makes me excited uh, because there's nothing better than, you know, we want to all get together and enjoy ourselves. Like this is this is what Equine Affair is about is people who are excited to get together and excited to talk about horses. And you're both of those. So.
3: Uh, yeah well that that's the thing I could talk about horses for hours upon hours so being in the place where everyone else is happy to do that and where you want to whip out your phone and go oh look this is my picture of my horse and then we can compare photos it's just most people if you go to a normal like a just like a football or something like that. People think you're crazy if you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So tell us a little bit about what you do. So you're kind of unique, at least in my experience. I don't think I had heard of a custom bridal fitter maybe before I heard about you. So tell us about what that entails. What do you do for a living?
3: So I personally think I've got one of the best jobs ever. Um, so I my job titles are I'm a master bridal maker, And a qualified bridal fitter with the Society of Master Saddlers. And I'm also a Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust scholar. And what all that entails is I make, um, design, hand make, hand stitch uh, my own bridles to order to suit each horse's needs. But I also go out and fit them so I can measure up or I do remote fittings as well. So I make absolutely everything to order. I have no stock. So everything is made to suit that individual horse very similar to having a custom-made saddle which we've done for years and years that the custom-made bridles although the more traditional style you've had done before but not really to the caliber what i do of um i although i do eventing dressage um, show jumping majority of my customers are high-end dressage riders and so um, I have international dressage riders, para riders. I pretty much make anything to do with um, the horse's head and bridle but so that's sort of an overview but of what I do.
2: And what led you to bridle fitting? Was that you just as a little girl you're like this is what I want to do someday or how did that happen?
3: So it all started first off when I was about six I wanted to become a farrier and then I think about Three years later, I saw my farrier nearly fly across the um, stable, so... Yeah, it was not. It, yeah, it was just something that I decided actually m- maybe I value my back. I, I'm always very open that I actually su- um, suffer quite severely with dyslexia. So sitting in an office um, typing all day is just not my cup of tea. I get very frustrated with like certain parts of writing and I'm always a creative person. So it was my saddle fitter at the time who said, oh, well, why don't you look into saddlery? And originally I was going to go into harness making because... Um, carriage driving harnesses just like you've got that out there we don't really have um, the Amish community like you do who create obviously beautiful harnesses so there were there is a quite big gap in the UK for harnesses since going through my training which takes seven years I discovered that I didn't really enjoy harness it's quite a lot of machining work um mm-hmm. using the sewing machine and I really preferred hand stitching and really sort of the, the finesse of bridles and and that's where my love came from it so it was sort of I haven't I didn't set out on on doing, uh, that's what I wanted to do from a young age, but saddlery has been pretty much since about age 16. That's where I wanted to go down. And the, the funny story is once I qualified, before I became a master, um, I did my Queen Elizabeth scholarship funding um, and I managed to shadow an amazing bridal maker um, called Izzy Russell, and a lot of people have not heard of Izzy Russell, but I guarantee majority of the horse industry has seen Izzy's bridles because Velagro used to wear them. So they're really special bridles. And funny enough, even well before I met Izzy, I looked at a photo of Velagro and I said to myself, oh, really, one day I want to make that bridle. I want to make a bridle as good as that. And it's a rolled, beautiful, white nose, band painted crystals. And when I was doing my shadowing with Izzy, she pulled out a piece of paper and I looked at it and I looked at the horse's name and it was called Blueberry and I was like oh that's a nice name and she went no just look at the owner and I went oh my god that's Velagro's measurements <laughs> so I I actually um made his bridle as I and it is now my demo bridle so I, I can take it out and, and use it to measure up horses but it's all of Velagro's measurements which I just think is just amazing sadly I never could get got to meet him but maybe um uh, maybe one day I'll have my own uh, a bridal on an equivalent of Villagro and someone else can uh, dream to copy it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely, I love that. That's fantastic. Oh, that's so cool. So I wanted to ask you about the Queen Elizabeth Scholarship.
3: The Queen Elizabeth Scholarship Trust was formed to help people in traditional crafts. Um, so that could be sculpture, or quite a few people who make a musical instrument. Instruments, but. Um, I applied for bridles because obviously saddlery is an extremely traditional craft. It just became, gave me funding as a grant to a train under another bridal maker, which was just an amazing experience. Um, and I'm extremely honored. And every year they do applications. But sadly, it, it is limited to the UK. Yeah, well, that's so
2: cool. Yeah, I was I was like you mentioned it and I saw it in your bio. And I'm like, I'm going to ask her about that because I'm not familiar. That's so cool. So I wanted to ask you about bridle fitting. Is it something that we need a completely custom fitted bridle for our horses to be at their best or can we let's say, you know, someone in the US who maybe can't uh, afford or can't, you know, figure out how to work with you. Um what can they do at home? Like how can they learn from you even remotely or or make things better for their horses?
3: Yeah, so that's the real key point of my talks is they're not a self pitch at all. What I try and do is educate um, the general public on the basic principles of bridle fitting, because you can do some really simple things to really improve your horse's performance and welfare. And people, they don't, they go, oh, God, I can't believe I've not thought of that. And there are certain parts of the horse's face that you really do need to avoid pressure points on, um, sort of the cheekbones. A really important joint that we've learned so much on in recent years um, is the TMJ joint. It's called the temporomandibular joint. Really simply, if you follow your horse's eye up before you hit the ear, there's like this weird, um, large joint. That's the TMJ joint, um, and mm. it's such an important joint in your horse's head um, to the point that there was a horse in Newmarket that was showing hind limb lameness. They could not work out where the lameness was coming from, and just by chance, the vet was like, I'm going to nerve block their head, um, so just slightly um, block out just to double check. They um, nerve blocked just the TMJ joint, and the horse became sound behind. Um, oh, wow. So it shows how um, important the TMJ joint is if you obviously that horse was uncomfortable and it did have an issue but if you imagine you having a buckle sat just underneath your brow band but right onto that TMJ joint that's not going to be comfortable for the horse so Mm -hmm. just simple things and that's what my um, talk is about Um, well both of my talks um, I will outline sort of the fundamentals of when you go to a shop and you buy a bridle and you put it on your horse and you go, I think that fits. And, but sometimes you just may need some shorter cheek cheap pieces or just need a buckle adjusting and your local saddler or, um, should be able to, if they're a bench saddler should be able to shorten things and just make your, um, horse a lot more comfortable um and again like brow bands you may need the next size up of brow bands to stop the headpiece pu- pushing forward and that's what I um, really like to educate the customer just to do some simple things to make your horse a lot more comfortable you will notice in the long run I have so many physios coming to me um after I've correctly fitted a bridle and they're going that horse is so much more comfortable now I don't think I need to come and out and see this horse quite as much." Because it's the bridle, the bridle's not causing unnecessary tension. Yeah, there are some lots of simple things you can do, and you can you you when you work with a bridle fitter, your dentist, your physio, your trainer, you can obviously create your horse to be a lot more comfortable. And when you've got a comfortable horse, it increases the performance, and that can be just going out on trails, but um, or doing Grand Prix dressage.
2: Wow. That's so great. And especially the story you were telling about the horse with the TMJ and they nerve blocked it and suddenly he was yeah. he was sound again. That just shows you what even something so small as a buckle in the wrong place can cause a huge issue. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so that's interesting. Is the TMJ issue the or pressure on that joint the most common issue you see in bridal fit? Or is there something else that you see more often that's like, I know exactly what's wrong and it's this half the time?
3: Majority of the time, I say 50-50 TMJ joint um, and um, headpiece. So people go out and they go, oh, great. I want a really big padded headpiece for my horse. Um, and, and it needs to have a cutaway ear and, blah, blah, blah. and sometimes it can fit a horse. And sometimes a particular style of headpiece will not fit a, ho- fit a horse. It's just like saddles. You may mm-hmm. think you're going out and buying the best saddle that, oh, yeah, it fitted my friend's horse really well but that may not fit your horse. Um, so just sort of looking at your whole horse's head conformation, how much space it's got between its ear and the C1, so the first vertebrae joint. And then also on the pole, if it's not got a huge amount of space on its pole, if you buy a really padded headpiece, um, sometimes it actually puts more pressure and pushes the ears forward and that's mm-hmm. not comfortable. It's just like wearing like a helmet that is too big uh, for you. and it's sort of sitting too low and it's putting on your ears you imagine wearing that on a trail ride for 45 minutes it's not going to be comfortable so that's exactly mm-hmm. how your horse feels but also obviously that's English riding um, but sometimes Western riding you need to sort of look at your horse's head confirmation and um, and sort of assess of going oh okay well that may work and that may not work and I actually sometimes say the more traditional headpiece sometimes is better than something that is too big or too small so yeah there's there's lots of different things so i'd say tmj and and um headpiece and then the the last thing that so many people do is do the nose bands up too tight yeah but slowly we are changing that and I'm, i'm hoping the fei new rules they're hoping to bring forward for paris will start that ball rolling but also educational um and educating on different nosebands and that there's so much to cover and i could talk about Pridals for hours and um, (laughs) if anyone bumps into me at fine Fair, i pretty much always walk around with my uh, baseball pack baseball cap with my logo on for anyone i'll be there on the uh, friday saturday and sunday i'm happy to chat hours about bridles and horses. I'm always an open book. And even if you're not going to Equine Affair and you're, you're unsure, I'm always happy to have chats um, over a Skype or Facebook or whatever, because I just education is such a passion for me. And I, I really think it's a relatively new world bridal fitting. So the more people we can educate, we can spread the word quicker.
2: 100%. And that's something I wanted to bring up is um of course you'll you'll be at Equine Affair and you'll be giving, I think, two talks and you just mm-hmm. issued an open invitation for everyone to come chat with you, but you also do remote fittings through your website, right?
3: Yeah. So on my website I have um really simple customization forms so you can um choose what style brow bands you want um if you want rolled flat and i can either do it um there's a step-by-step guide of how to measure your bridle and then i can take um i can learn so much from just photos um but then also i can do a consultation um a video consultation either with you with your horse or with you at your home measuring your bridle I, i'm really flexible Um, with that so that's all on my website it's called uh, design and customize your bridal or design and measure your bridal sorry you do have to log in but it is totally free to log in and have a look and 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 have a play around the only reason why I had to put it in behind a login um, screen is just so I can contact the people who are if they're interested I've just got a little bit more information but it's just an email and a and a name. You, there's no card details taken at all, and I can do a bridal fitting consultation. And if you decide not to go ahead, that's no problem. I, I'm I'm really flexible and. To be honest, I'm really not a very good business woman. I always put the horse <laughs> and the ride of happiness first. So I, I'm really not a salesperson. So um <laughs> much to some people getting head scratching and they go, oh, you, you work six, seven days a week and <laughs> your day off, you're still doing online consultations. And I'm like, yep, I don't mind. I love it. <laughs>
2: Well, that's what's made this talk so fun is you're clearly passionate about it and you love it. And I think you're going to be a fabulous addition to Equine Affair. And I can't wait to meet you in person. Um, But that website, if you want to learn more about Kelly and you can't come to Equine Affair, uh, would be kellyjleather.co.uk. And she's also on Facebook at kellyj.leather. And then, of course, we want you to come to Equine Affair in Massachusetts and learn from Kelly. Uh, track her down. You'll you'll see her walking around and also presenting. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Kelly. This has been awesome.
3: No, been pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I cannot wait to meet you guys. And I hope that November is going to come along nice and quickly.
2: You can learn more about Equine Affair at our website, equineaffair.com, our Facebook page at Equine Affair, or on our Instagram or Twitter at Equine Affair, and you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning.
1: And again, for those of you who have lived under a rock for 25 years, Equine Affair is spelled equine, the regular aware, and affair is A-F-F-A-I-R-E. There you go.
2: We'll see you at Equine Fair.